You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth. And Brenthurst Wealth, lest we forget, is SA's top boutique wealth manager for 2020. With me today is Aidan Freswick, and we're going to talk about converting currencies for offshore investing. And the introduction to this piece that Aidan kindly sent me earlier on today is the following. A good start to investing offshore would start with a conversation between you and your advisor, obviously. For many years, we have seen the benefits of portfolio diversification when allocating a portion of clients' wealth to international markets. But obviously that has a currency factor. Uh, Aidan, how big is the currency factor to you? Well, Lindsay, thanks for the introduction. Um, The point that we want to make today is just that when... When, when you speak to an advisor and we establish that um, offshore investing is suitable, is a suitable investment vehicle for you, it just means that you would then need to do a currency conversion from South African RAND to the elected foreign currency portfolio, um, which will then be based offshore. Um, and the procedure of doing a currency conversion entails a few regulations and limitations, which we will discuss today. The reason I picked this topic because we're quite excited about um, talking to clients about investing offshore, but you know it can be quite complex when it comes to currency conversions. Um, and you know we'd like to talk about that today. You know how how the process can be done. Um, and the sort of limitations that are involved when doing currency conversions. So we'll just talk a little bit about that today. Okay. Uh, the first thing is exchange control regulations, because despite the fact that South Africa has, has been fairly lenient compared to the bad old days, it, it still has currency currency controls, does it not? And obviously that has to be factored into a portfolio. Indeed. So the exchange control measures are pretty much in place so that, um, you know, the uh, the economy can be uh, brought to a, a stabilized um, position and um, also to limit the um, you know, uh, illicit transactions that um, happen between countries when buying and selling um, foreign currencies. Now, the exchange control regulations are um, imposed by National Treasury um, and, and there are various ex- exchange control measures that one has to factor in when um, doing a currency conversion. Now, one of the the main factors um, that we need to discuss today is just the annual allowances that um, we need to then consider yes. before we, we we you know start talking about offshore investing. We need to find out what our limits are um, that we can use as a guideline. So, the first exchange control um, limitation that I like to talk about is the single discretionary allowance. Now. Before we talk about single discretionary allowances, we should also consider whether the investor um, has or not a um, South African barcoded ID. And the reason I mention that is because South African barcoded IDs classifies the investor as a South African banking resident. And what that means is it allows the investor to have access to these single discretionary allowances because you need to produce a valid barcoded ID. Um, so the single discretionary allowance is pretty much one million per calendar year um, that the investor then can send abroad um, without actually applying to SARS for a tax clearance certificate. Right. 
Okay, so that's and, a, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a million a year for for anybody that has the the, the 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 correct authentication, if you like. Absolutely. Now, there's a lot of confusion when we talk about single discretionary allowances, and that's because a lot of investors think that it is for a tax year. Um, so just to clarify that, it's actually for a calendar year, um, and that runs from the 1st of Jan to the 31st of December each year. What about banking residency? Because that's, that's one of the points that you make here, banking residency. What does that mean? And so let's say that you've been seconded to a foreign city to, to work for six months or a year or whatever it is, uh, but you still have a South African bank account, whether it be with one of the big banks or, or whatever. How does that work? What, how does that affect your banking residency status? Well, thanks for bringing that up, Lindsay. There's a lot of confusion around the banking residency and, you know, sort of where the client lives and if whether or not you qualify as a banking resident. Now, a banking resident is an individual who was born in South Africa or has obtained a South African barcoded ID. Um, whether or not you are living in South Africa or not, if you possess a valid barcoded ID, you're considered a South African banking resident from an exchange control perspective. So um, pretty much in short, it means that if you if you have in possession a valid barcoded ID, you're considered a banking resident. And of course, the investor would then um, should not have done the formal immigration process through the Reserve Bank, whether, um, you know, when they had their ID or not. So um, the investor should not have formally immigrated through the Reserve Bank. Who is authorised to deal in buying and selling currencies? That's another point that you make. Now, I don't know why anyone would want to buy and sell currencies unless they were a speculator. What do you mean by this? So um, the regulatory authorities uh, mention in, in the exchange control manual that um, the buying and selling currencies can only happen through authorized dealers. Now, authorized dealers is just a fancy name for the actual bank. Um, so it needs to be done through a, um, a registered bank in South Africa, um, of which we, we know there are quite a few banks out there that are able to offer that service, but it needs to be done through a bank, which is called an authorized dealer. Okay. The final point that you make is how is the exchange rate determined? I mean, it's obviously determined on the on the world's markets, but it's also determined by the financial institution that you use. And there can be, in some cases, very big differences between the prevailing rate on the world's markets and the institution's rate. Well, indeed. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things that impact the exchange rate, um, such as the demand for foreign currency, um, things like the country's balance of payments, stability. But but the point that I wanted to make today about how an exchange rate is determined is purely based on the live exchange rate. Now, you'll get a lot of clients that will say, but, you know, the exchange rate I see online is, um, you know, 15 to the US dollar, but at the moment yours is 1520. Where is the difference actually? And, and how do you get, how do you determine the exchange rate um, you know, they would then question the forex trade and ask, where did you get that exchange rate? Um, because the one I'm seeing online is quite different. Now, the exchange rate is is priced on the interbank rate, um, and that is also known as the mid-market rate. So the interbank rate is not available to the public. Um, it's only available to authorized dealers, um, and then they actually need to pay to, to have access to the interbank rate. Now, the interbank rate is the... Um, exchange rate that the bank can access the foreign currency at. And then what happens is the authorized dealer then adds a margin on top of the interbank rate, um, and that exchange rate on a live basis is then quoted to the client.
You say how can the investor get access to preferential rates, but I want to talk about something a little bit broader, if I can, Aidan, and that is when you sit down with a client, you and your colleagues at Brentos Wealth, do you say to do, if someone says to you, I think the rand is going to weaken or I think the rand is going to strengthen, therefore I want to do this and do that. To my mind, having spoken to professionals like yourself over the years, that is not a factor that should be taken into account. It's, I mean, it's the cherry on the cake if it works for you. But on the other hand, you should just say to yourself, you're not a currency trader. You're a, a diversified investor. And if you go offshore, if the rand weakens, then, then, then fantastic. Is that the way you look at it at Brentest? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we don't actually give advice on exchange rates because, you know, my guess versus your guess would be pretty much different from, from each other. And um, and it's more of a gamble if you do give any advice on an exchange rate. And um, we always we always caution investors not to, you know, um, bet the whole house on, on any short term volatility in, in within um, currency fluctuations. But um how an investor can get access to preferential rates is pretty much through an intermediary. And this is done, you know, this is, this is through research and this is through um, client experience and feedback um, where a Forex intermediary like Brentos Wealth, um, we, we go to the authorized dealer, the bank, um, and we say, you know, we, we pretty much do large volumes of transactions per year. Can you possibly negotiate a bit exchange rate for our clients? And, um, Nine times out of 10, the authorized dealer is able to negotiate a bit of a preferential exchange rate to uh, bring as well as a Forex intermediary. And what we then in turn do is we actually pass that saving on to the client. So instead of um, quoting 10 cents on, a, on, 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 the, on the margin on the foreign exchange rate, um, we'll then quote 5 cents, um, which is a, pre- more, a preferential rate for the client. Um, and then the client would then be able to save on their foreign exchange transaction. And that's purely on the exchange rate. So that is how a client can get access to preferential exchange rates, because when they approach a Forex intermediary like Brentus, they, um, you know, Brentus would then be able to offer a more favorable exchange rate to the client than if they went to the bank directly. Um, and then they would just be seen as a, a number. Um, and the bank could then charge whatever they would like. Um, and sometimes there's not absolute price transparency there as well. So that's how a client can get access to that preferential exchange rate. That's very good. And and sometimes if it's a large sum of money, that preferential rate can mean the difference between, um, you know, one or two percent in the portfolio. Aidan, I think you want to go back to what we said about the one million rand uh, allowance to go out of, of the country. So just before we end this conversation, uh, just give us an, another couple of points that you wanted to make. Yes, so another important um, allowance that's available to a South African banking resident is known as the Foreign Investment Allowance. Now, this allowance is when the client would like to transfer abroad um, any value that is more than 1 million per calendar year, but less than or equal to 10 million per calendar year. Now, this is um, a bit more of a formal process that the client would need to then follow because it involves going to SARS and obtaining a tax clearance certificate for foreign investment allowance. Um, and that is, you know, a process that SARS uh, initiated and um, they are in full control of that process. So um, it could take a while to obtain a, a tax clearance certificate from SARS. Um, so the investor would just need to be aware that um, the, the 1 million allowance is available immediately if they have not used any of that. 
Um, but the foreign investment allowance, um, you'd need to make a formal application to SARS um, to ask for permission, providing source of funds so that you can actually send more than a million offshore but less than or equal to 10 million. Aidan, thank you very much for your insight. That's Aidan Freswick from Brentus Wealth Management based in Cape Town. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentus Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.